0: Life is full of lost opportunities and painful regret. Have you tried something and failed? Do you need a second chance today? In tennis, you get a second chance to serve the ball. In basketball, you get a second chance to make a shot called a free throw. In football, the offense gets a second, third, and fourth chance to make a first down. But in the game of life, you don't always get a second chance. Here's good news, Jesus is the God of second chances. Peter received a second chance to follow Jesus. And the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I'm Ron Jones, Something Good starts right now.
1: Hello, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, and whether you're listening on radio, on your mobile device or online at somethinggoodradio.org, thanks so much for stopping by. Well, God has a long and storied history of giving his people second chances. Ancient Israel, King David, Jonah, the list goes on. So if you're in the need of a second chance today, or if you know someone who is, you've come to the right place. Stay with us as Ron continues his series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus, or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From John chapter 21, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Second Chance Miracle.
0: Well, most everybody I know would like to have a second chance at something in life. Uh, Most of us live with a a certain degree of regret, and some of those regrets are bigger than others. Uh, Some of them are more significant than others. Uh, Let me take you back to my high school days to talk about a regret that I've lived with for many, many years. Not all that significant, and you'll understand as I tell the story. I played a little football in high school and uh, had the joy of Uh, playing quarterback for my high school football team. And I remember as either my junior or senior year, our season began by playing one of the top-ranked teams in the state. I'm from Indiana, it was a team from Elkhart, Indiana, Elkhart Central, if I remember. And there was a lot of preseason hype about Elkhart Central and yeah, they, they were our number one opponent. And to make matters even worse, we had to go to Elkhart to play them. So we were playing in their home stadium. I remember we won the toss, we got the ball first, Uh, I ran out to the field with the offensive team and we started on the 20-yard line and to everybody's surprise, we marched right down that field. And I'm telling you, that quarterback was on spot. Every every pass was right on spot and we marched all the way down to the one-yard line and everybody was surprised. We were a little bit surprised, but we're like, yeah, we can take these guys. And I remember the play came in and The guy whispered the play to me, I got the huddle together, I called the play, we broke the huddle. And this is where I got to slow it down a little bit. This is where the slow-mo comes in because it all happened really quickly. But somewhere between the time that I called the play and we were going to the line of scrimmage, I forgot the snap count that I called. So I'm thinking to myself in just a nanosecond of time, do I call time out? Well, I knew what my coach thought about that. He didn't like me calling the timeouts. That was for him to do. And besides, we, we were only a few minutes into the first quarter of the game. You, you, you know, wait for those timeouts at crucial times later in the game. So I said to myself, I'll just be ready for the snap. Big mistake, because you can imagine what happened. I called it on the first sound, and, well, it hit my hands, and I fumbled the ball on the one-yard line, and they recovered. And you could just hear the air, you know, coming out of the balloon or out of the sails or whatever analogy you want to use. I saw my teammates dejected, their shoulders slumped. I saw the look on their faces. I saw my coach just about ready to come through his skin, and we never really recovered from that. Galcart Central went on to just cream us. And that moment kind of defined a little bit of our season. Although we went on to have a pretty good season, I would love to have a second chance to run that play, but I'll never get that second chance. Yeah, you know, life is a lot like that, right? In sports, there are all kinds of second chances. In football, you really get a second, third, and fourth chance to make a first down. In the game of tennis, you get a second chance to serve the ball. In the game of basketball, you get a second chance to make a free throw. But in life, a second chance doesn't always come to us, does it? But I have some good news to you, because I have a Bible in my hand that speaks of a God who is in the second chance business. I mean, listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 For by grace you are saved through faith. Grace is God's second chance to sinful human beings like us. God is in the second chance business. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. You get a second chance. Christianity in many respects is a do-over. Because the God of the Bible is a God of grace. I can think of a number of people in the Bible who got a second chance. Think of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah got a second chance to obey God and to do what God told him to do. He was going in the opposite direction. He boarded that ship to Tarshish, which was the opposite direction of a place called Nineveh. And through some difficult circumstances, through some hard circumstances, God got Jonah's attention and gave him a second chance. Jesus told a story about a prodigal son who got a second chance to come home to a father who was waiting for him with open arms and and blessings. And and then there's a guy in in the New Testament and in the Gospels named Peter. Peter got a second chance as well. You know, Peter's um, one of these guys we love because he's an open mouth, insert foot kind of disciple. Peter, uh, you know, usually acts uh, and and talks before he thinks. And uh, Peter's, you know, kind of full of himself at times, declaring, Lord, I'll I'll follow you wherever I go. And on the heels of that, Jesus says, no, Peter, actually, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, no, not me, Lord. But you know the story. And Peter, in a very critical time, in Jesus' life and ministry. Just hours before He went to the cross, there's Peter at Caiaphas' house, out in the courtyard there, denying Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And you think I felt dejected when I walked back to the sidelines and had to face my coaching staff and my teammates. Peter, oh my. Peter felt like the biggest failure in the world When the rooster crowed, and uh, he remembered the words of Jesus. Well, the second chance miracle is the last in the list of eight miracles that we have in the Gospel of John, and we find it in John chapter 21. This is an amazing scene. It's, It's after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We could take some time to talk about the many post-resurrection appearances that Jesus made after He rose from the dead. He, he appeared to the disciples. He appeared to Mary and, and some of the other women. He, the Bible says He appeared to as many as 500 at one time. Of course, skeptics say, no, it was just a hallucination. Are you kidding me? 500 people don't have the same hallucination at the, at the same time. But for 40 days between His resurrection and His ascension, Jesus appeared to his followers. And one time he appeared to to Peter and to some of the other disciples who had done what the only thing that they could think to do at this point, and that was to go back to the life that they had been living before they met Jesus. Peter and the disciples uh, went fishing. And we have this story in John chapter 21, and from this story I, I, I find four simple, Principle. Simple to articulate, simple to remember, uh, deep and profound if you really want to get after that second chance that Christianity and following Jesus is all about. But four lessons that we can learn from this second chance miracle. And the first is if you want your second chance, you're going to have to obey Jesus. You're going to have to take that next step of obedience and obey Him. Let's pick it up. In verse 1, where it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Again, try to put yourself in the disciples' sandals. I mean, many of them are scratching their heads, wondering, what do we do now? We had just spent three years of our lives following this rabbi from uh, Nazareth named Jesus, and it seems like the whole enterprise uh, fell out from under them. Jesus was crucified. It was the last thing that they, they thought was coming. And, and yes, there were rumors of his resurrection, and he thought to have appeared here and to appear there, but, but they weren't quite sure what to make of it all. They weren't quite sure what the future held for them. And so Peter does what he knows to do. He, he goes back to the fishing business that he came from. This isn't just a group of guys who go out fishing on a Saturday afternoon because they want to hang out together. No, no this is, I, I don't know what else to do now. I don't know where I fit. Is Jesus really alive? And if he is, where do I fit into the future? Peter is going back to the only thing he was ever successful in at one time. He's put a sign up that says "Gone fishing." And there are several of the disciples here: uh, Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John, and two other uh, two other disciples that are not even mentioned here that go along in this little fishing trip. Some of these guys are professional fishermen. Peter was certainly a professional fisherman. Uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, it was a family business. They had been out on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, many, many times they knew the sea, they knew how to fish, they knew where to fish, they knew when to fish. And they took all of their expertise that they had learned over the years, they went out fishing, and they came back in the early morning hours, and it says they caught nothing. Still ahead, the
1: second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the explore feature at the top of the homepage. Then tell us how we can pray for you. While you're there, visit our digital library where you can tap into more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. On the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Him three times, but Jesus didn't give up on him, and He'll never give up on you. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Second Chance Miracle.
0: Now, Now, you wanna, you know, you wanna drive the sense of defeat and failure even deeper in Peter's life, you go out on that fishing boat with him and come back with nothing. Now, the only thing he can imagine himself doing in life is going back to fish, and he can't even catch a fish. By the way, this is where Jesus found him the first time. In Luke chapter 5, if you remember the story, it's the story of Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he meets up with some of these professional fishermen, and while they came back, they didn't catch anything that night. And Peter's, or Jesus is standing on the shore and He's saying, you know, hey guys, did you catch anything? And they don't know who He is. And they said, no, no, we didn't catch anything. He says, well, why don't you toss your nets on the other side of the boat? And back in Luke chapter 5, three years earlier, Peter pushes back a little bit as if to say, listen, we're the professional fishermen around here. Who are you? But he reluctantly tosses his net on the other side of the boat and they catch all these fish. And that was the time that Jesus said to Peter, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, three years plus later, they're on another fishing expedition. They come back and they catch nothing. You see, in Peter's life, God used failure to get his attention in a number of ways, and this is a good time to write down this principle, that failure is a tool God uses to get our attention and to make us more teachable. God used a failed fishing expedition three years ago to get Peter's attention and to invite him to a whole different future to be fishers of men. Now that it seems that that enterprise is, is blown up into a zillion pieces, God's going to use the same failed experience to get Peter's attention. And, and not just to get his attention, but to offer him a second chance and to restore him to service. Is God using failure perhaps in your life? in some way right now, something that you were uh, immensely qualified to do, you were skilled, you were trained, you were educated, you have all the experience in the world, but it just isn't working out the way you thought it was going to work out. And God is using that experience to get your attention. This is deja vu all over again, to borrow some words from Yogi Berra. Deja vu all over again for Peter. He's been here before. And the Lord has another lesson to teach him. I love the words of John Maxwell. He wrote a book years ago called Failing Forward. Have you learned how to fail forward? Have you learned that failure is sometimes one of the best tools that God can use in our life to get our attention and to bring us to a teachable moment? if we read on in verse 4, it says, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord, and when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Uh, this, this is an amazing scene. Again, deja vu all over again. Uh, Jesus says to them, it's translated, children. Do you have any fish? Maybe better translated, hey, boys, did you catch anything last night? I may be making too much of this, but he doesn't say, men? (laughs) Calls them boys. I had a youth pastor who used to look at us and say, if you see a boy, you grab him and you shake him and you give him a dollar. I didn't know what it meant either, but every time I heard it, I, I wanted to be a man, not a boy. Jesus refers to them as boys. Boys, did you catch anything? No, he didn't. Well, why don't you you toss that net on the other side? And what's interesting is they they, they don't argue. Peter doesn't push back. He is so down. He is so dejected. He is so rejected, so defeated. And now failure on top of his defeat, he just says, fine, sure, whatever. Toss him on the other side. And the Bible says that when they cast it, They were not able to haul in the catch because of the quantity of fish. A little bit later in the story, John gives us a number. He says 153 fish in one of their little nets. So big, it was about to burst the nets open. A miraculous catch of fish. Now, some people want to say, no, you know, Jesus was standing there on the the shore there, and he, he could see that the fish were on this side of the boat, not that side of the boat. Are you kidding me? Come on. He was at least 100 yards or 100 meters away. And and with the sun shining, you, you can't see beneath the surface of the water. But that's how the skeptics try to explain this away. No, the same God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and put the teeming fish in the sea knew how to school them up in a certain direction. And they cast their nets on the other side. And they caught a miraculous number of fish, and that's when John begins to notice. He begins to notice that, uh, well, it is the Lord, he says. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John likes to talk about himself in the third person here. He'll do it again a little bit later. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord, and when Peter heard this, he put on his outer cloak and he, he jumps out of that boat. He's no longer concerned about fish. And he swims the 100-meter faster than an Olympic champion, and he gets to shore and he meets Jesus there. And it says they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. Why do I say that the first step to a second chance is to obey Jesus? Because it took a humble heart and an obedient heart to take that, that net and just do what Jesus told them to do and cast it on the other side. No questioning, no arguing, no fussing. Just do what Jesus tells you to do. Obedience is the first step to a second chance. We used to sing in the church, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that's true. And when you're kind of at the end of yourself, you're going through an experience of failure and defeat and wondering what's next? Well, the first thing to do to get that second chance is just take the next step of obedience that God is asking you to take. He's not gonna tell you what the second, third, and fourth, and fifth step, just just take the next step. He'll give you enough light and enough direction to take the next step of obedience. You toss the nets over here, and then let's talk. Secondly is to love Jesus. You want that second chance? Here are the lessons to learn. Obey Jesus, secondly, love Jesus. Let's read on in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus goes on to say to him, Feed my sheep. You're listening
1: to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Second Chance Miracle, is part of Ron's series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Look for it under the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus, a teaching series from Ron Jones that explores the eight miracles of Christ found in the Gospel of John and what they mean for us today.
0: Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The two-volume set covers the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. And I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book,
1: The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible Volumes 1 and 2 Through the Old and New Testaments go to somethinggoodradio.org That's somethinggoodradio.org Such a great addition to any home library that's The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible request your copy of both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org Now here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message.
0: Uh, The church today needs fewer celebrities and more servant leaders, servant leaders who will feed the sheep. Mark 10 and verse 45, Jesus says, "'The Son of Man came to serve and not to be served.'" I mean, imagine that. Uh, This is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Creator of heaven and earth, the, the second member of the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, all of that, and He descends. To planet Earth to serve, to serve. Whatever second chance God is giving you or giving me, it has something to do with serving Him, laying aside every desire within us to be a celebrity for Jesus and just be His servant leader as we serve Him and serve others. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones'
1: message, The Second Chance Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.